This place is cursed. What is it with you and curses? He ain't happy without a good curse. This is cursed. That is cursed. Give it a rest, will ya? The Mummy Returns, 2001. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. This episode is for you, my fellow panzers, who don't know enough about what's happening in your story to actually foreshadow properly. This is an opportunity for you to add foreshadowing when you're editing, when you finally know what the heck is going on. I personally, as a plotter, cannot imagine writing a murder mystery without knowing from the beginning who the murderer is. (laughs) These types of stories are especially reliant on foreshadowing. The descent into villainy, these other things that we've talked about this month. If you don't know how the story is going to end, it's really difficult to foreshadow effectively. That doesn't mean half of you out there that are listening to this podcast should never foreshadow. That means during your first edit, you go back through and you find opportunities to cram foreshadowing into your story. This can also apply to plotters if you recognize and realize that you need more foreshadowing for whatever it is as you go. This applies to all kinds of genres, all kinds of writing. Being able to add that foreshadowing later once you have that solid, concrete idea of how your story ends. So first, we're going to talk about finding those opportunities, figuring out where in your story is the best place to add foreshadowing. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about the process of how to add it back in. One of the places that you can really look for to foreshadow are your scene transitions. These are the moments where things are resetting, characters are taking a slight pause, and you can dig a little bit further into the narration. And it allows you to lay down the I couldn't shake the feeling sort of breadcrumbing. If you follow the scene and sequel style of writing, which most people inadvertently do because a lot of what you read does that. So you have all of this action, then you have the character reflecting on it at a later point. That second part, the sequel, the reflecting on it, that is when you do a lot of that foreshadowing. You can lay little bits in the action, but especially if you're more overt about the types of foreshadowing that you're doing, that in between the high intensity moments gives us a reason to reread through what could be slower moments in your story. The next major opportunity that you will have for foreshadowing is through dialogue. So if you're looking back through your story, pay attention to that dialogue and go, could this be a moment to include foreshadowing? Some of the best foreshadowing I've seen does come through dialogue, seemingly throwaway lines that somebody says that you later find out are relevant. So if you have a character that needs something more interesting to say, possibly use it for foreshadowing. It could be them trying to make some sort of philosophical point or looking back at something potentially dangerous and be like, well, you know, the last three detectives all died when they looked into this. Just a brief statement, a word of caution that turns out to be way more poignant than they thought it would be. Another place within dialogue to place some really juicy foreshadowing is through these tertiary characters. If you've seen The Mummy Returns, you probably didn't know the names of those three characters that we quoted for our opener. 
but you remember that moment. You remember them joking about, oh, stuff can't be cursed, which we all know as an audience means it's very cursed. (laughs) Having the tertiary characters, the villains, goons, make this foreshadowing moment allows the audience to dismiss it and just go, hey, hey, they're goons, it's funny. And then as we're going back through, going, oh, they were serious and they were right. One of the absolute best places to have your foreshadowing is in the opening chapter. We have talked before about how you want your opening chapter to reflect somehow the ending of your story. Now you know what the ending is, it's time to make that first chapter relevant. This is the perfect place to start laying the groundwork for how that story is going to end. We have in the past advised, especially pantsers, to go back and rewrite that opening chapter. Now that you're familiar with the characters, because they've changed so much during the process of writing that first draft. So as you're rewriting that opening chapter, great opportunity to drop in some foreshadowing. Another place to keep an eye out for if you're looking for places to add foreshadowing is in those moments where you're scene setting. If you have these moments where the character is walking up to this manor, then you can, with physical details and symbolism, throw in some foreshadowing there. A moment as subtle as noticing cracks in its foundation. And that can very subtly let you know that there's a lot more going on in that house than simply it's starting to fall apart. It is a foreshadow to the people in that house. The unit that they are is starting to fall apart. And of course, you can have that one character. That one character who says weirdly accurate things, whether they know it or not. Especially if you have other characters dismissing them in a comedic way. It's memorable, but also dismissive at the same time, which is a great combination for when you're planting foreshadowing in your story. Now let's get into how exactly to add in these moments of foreshadowing. So we've identified how to find places to put it, but now how? First of all, I would make sure you separate those two phases, the finding the places and the adding them, because you can get very overwhelmed. You can get very emotional about the amount of work that has to happen. But if you can on one pass go through and go, this is a good spot for some kind of foreshadowing, make a little comment on the Google Doc. We'll add a little post-it here. And then after you figured out where all of these places are, then you go back and figure out exactly how you're going to want to foreshadow and edit your document accordingly. Not only does this help you stay focused and accomplish your short-term goals for your story, but the fact that you are coming back to it will help confirm that this is the right time to do it. Because if you're feeling funky about it and you're like, no, I've got another opportunity for foreshadowing in the beginning of the next scene. I like that one better. You don't have to go undo the work you just did. You can pace your foreshadowing a lot better that way. Because you do want to lay that foreshadowing in sparsely. Do it delicately. Do it with intention. So when you've identified those places as you're going through it, you can then return and start foreshadowing carefully enough that the readers can put it together, but not too much that you're bludgeoning them with it. So that rule of three is going to be super helpful. And that doesn't mean that you can only foreshadow three times. 
That means if you have a single type of foreshadowing, you can only use that single type of talking about the weather as foreshadowing three times, and they should all be connected. You also need to do this with the goal that the readers are going to figure it out, that they're going to put together all of these pieces right before the main character does. Not too long before and not after. You want it to be just before so they can get that excitement, so they can get that, oh, I know what's happening, and then they start to get really invested in the main character finally making the points and the puzzles that they just put together. Another bit of advice we have for cramming that foreshadowing into your first draft is to, if you have the time, rewrite the paragraphs before and after. The whole scene, if it's a short scene, would be super helpful in making it feel natural and just adds that little extra level of craftsmanship that readers get thrilled about. You also want to call back to the foreshadowing in a similar way that you gave it. One of the things I've brought up throughout the month is how Brandon Sanderson foreshadows certain things with having characters see shadows out of the corner of their eye or in mirrors or whatever. This is a very specific tool that he uses, and he will call back to that in a similar way so that then if you see it as a reader in the future, you can call back to it and be like, oh, I wonder if that's going to mean this, this, and this because of how he's used it in the past. And the last bit that we want you to keep in mind as you're adding it in, and I feel like this goes without saying, but we're going to say it anyway, make sure you fulfill that foreshadowing that you're adding in. If you say, hey, I'm going to foreshadow it in this way, and it's not something that's already paying off in your first draft, then go back and add a little comment going somewhere in this scene, we need to make sure he accidentally bites her or whatever it is that your foreshadowing is portraying. Now, if you've done all this, you've added it in, you think it works to cap off this whole month, you need to have other people check if your foreshadowing works. This is where your beta readers are going to be very important for this process. If they are excited about it, they'll tell you. They can help you identify and help you know if your foreshadowing worked. So when I wrote Toxic and had the murder mystery, the one question I always wanted to ask my beta readers was, at what point did you know who the killer was? What point did you suspect that they were the killer? And was there enough clouding that that it didn't make it too obvious? And when that changes, what types of things will change who the suspect is in the reader's mind? Because that's your moment for foreshadowing or establishing a red herring or these other things. Especially if you have more than one beta reader that both had an opinion change at the same time and it wasn't something you intended then that's a moment to pay attention to. So plotter or pantser, there are always good opportunities to foreshadow how your readers will interpret the ending. To set that framework and to get those readers leaning forward in their chairs, excited to consume the next chapter and the chapter after that. But it doesn't work if you aren't equally excited about it. So get excited and write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 